This is Winning Cures Everything. Here's your host, Gary Seegers. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is April the 16th. I'm your host, Gary Seegers. This is Winning Cures Everything. We do this every day, 10 to 15 minutes in the afternoon, sometime after 3 p.m. Central. Uh, If you would, share the show out. Help us out with that. You can follow me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. You can follow the show at Winning Cures. Let's go ahead and jump into the rundown for today's topics. Uh, $1.2 million Tiger Woods bet. We're going to talk about whether or not that's a legit story. Uh, Russell Wilson with his $140 million contract, making him the highest paid NFL player ever. Rick Barnes, uh, the mess that, that he started today, which was something else. Uh, the New York Times story on Tunica, Mississippi, and I'll give you some daily picks. Uh, we we went one and four yesterday, not good, but we will rebound this evening. I've got like eight picks, I think, something crazy. Um, as always, the show brought to you by mybookie.ag. Promo code WCE50 is going to get you a 50% deposit bonus. So you put in $500, they're going to give you $250 for free. Uh, you put in $100, they're going to give you $50, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So go check that thing out, uh, mybookie.ag, the best online sportsbook layout out there. It is perfect for uh, novice gamblers, for recreational gamblers. Uh, so go check it out, mybookie.ag, promo code WCE50. That's WCE50. Go check it out. You will not be disappointed. Let's fire this thing away. Oh, by the way, go to our website, winningcureseverything.com. Follow us on all the different sites, whatever, YouTube, uh, podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, the Daily Show comes out, of course, every day, sometime after 3 o'clock, 10 to 15 minutes. It's a good time. Hopefully you enjoy it. If you do, share it out. Leave some nice comments. Let's fire in. Tiger Woods bet. $1.2 million won on an $85,000 wager at a William Hill property in Vegas. Look. I've got a ton of questions about this. It Something just feels really fishy to me. Uh, the guy's name, James Aducci, 39-year-old from Wisconsin, he says that this is his first ever sports bet. He had a vision, he said. He said it hit him sometime in March that Tiger Woods was going to win the Masters, and he felt so good about it that... Even though just a few months prior he was $25,000 in debt, he funded the wager by selling some of his Amazon stock and then went and put $85,000 down for his first ever sports bet to win $1.275 million. I mean, are you kidding me? What what kind of crap is this? It, uh, you're telling me... So he, he went to Vegas... He goes into one book. They tell him he can only put a max down of $4,000. He says, no, that's not enough. He goes to the Westgate. They tell him $10,000 was the max that he could put down. He says, no, no, I need to put down all $85,000. And the other part that I have not figured out that nobody seems to explain is why he had to do two tickets for for $42,500 each. This whole thing seems completely fishy, and I hope, for the love of God, that it does not make people think that you can just go out and put money on whatever, just go put your life savings on something, and it's going to hit. Because that's what it feels like an advertisement for. It feels like an advertisement for the lottery, right? People know 
you go play the lottery, you can end up winning. But the odds of it hitting are so minuscule. This guy put $85,000 on an aging golfer that had not won a major since 2009, that had not won the Masters since 05. that 13 months before, 14 months, whatever it was, 16 months before, was ranked almost number 1,200 in the world, coming off a of back surgery, which makes the Tiger Woods story that much crazier, but... Eighty-five grand when you're telling people that you were in debt just three months prior? Are you kidding me? I mean, it, it's completely reckless. It is irresponsible. It's all of these different things, and I hope that people just look at it for what it is, and it's just somebody that was lucky, right? That's what that's what we're hoping it it is. Um, and if the story is real, good for him, Mister Aducci. I'm in with you. But that's crazy talk. That's crazy stuff, and and I wish they weren't promoting it like they are. But either way, I think this story is bogus. I think it's fake. I'm sure we'll find out eventually. I, we got Mike jumping in on uh, on YouTube. He said fake news. Yeah, I, I think it is. I think it is. Uh, let's jump into the next talk. Russell Wilson gets a 140 million dollar contract with the Seahawks. Now he gave him a deadline of April 15th, and they hit the deadline. Now, one, you got to have some real balls to be able to tell an NFL organization that's going to pay you money, a lot of money, that they've got until a certain date or you're not going to sign with them. Like, that's how you know you got somebody, you know, right there. That's how you know you got them, is if they listen to your demand and actually meet it, as opposed to trying to do anything else other than that. I mean, if I'm an executive... So one of my players comes in and tells me, I want a deal done by this date, or I'm not playing, or I'm not signing with you guys, or I'm not. Adios, muchachos. Like, I, that's that's all I would say. And to be completely honest, um, I don't know that this was a good deal one way or the other. Uh, only four quarterbacks have won a Super Bowl accounting for more than 11% of a team's salary cap. Those names are Steve Young at 13.1% in 1994, Peyton Manning did it twice, Tom Brady, and Eli Manning did it one time. And Eli Manning, the defense won it. Tom Brady, you know how that ship runs, right? And Peyton Manning twice, the second time, first time, um, he was playing the Bears. And, I mean, it's... You know, what are you going to do? That was that was not a great, great Bears team. Uh, I think he got lucky in the playoffs that year. Uh, but you know Peyton Manning's uh, futility in the playoffs. I mean, you remember the history. But uh, but Tom, uh, Peyton Manning the second time with the Broncos, I mean, that, that team was led by that defense. That was not, and, and they had good defensive players on cheap contracts. That's the thing. you got to find good players on cheap contracts. With this, uh, the salary cap – in 2019, is $188.2 million. If Russell's deal started this year, his deal would be 18.6% of the salary cap. That is astronomical. Those numbers are insane. It, look, we understand you got to have a good quarterback to win. 
But you also have to have a good offensive line in order to protect him. You need good wide receivers for him to throw to. And you need a good defense. I mean, you cannot win without all of those things put together. The Patriots understand that. Uh, A lot of other teams in the league you would think would understand that. And yet, here we are. We got Jimmy Garoppolo making just ridiculous money. You got Matt Ryan making ridiculous money. You got Aaron Rodgers making ridiculous money. Like, there are 20 guys that account for more than 11%. Well, actually, now I believe with Russell, it's 21. 21 starting quarterbacks in this league that account for more than 11% of their team's salary cap in one season. How do you win that way? Like, that's just almost impossible. But it's the myth that you have to have a good, established quarterback is just false. You can find them in the draft. You can get average guys to come in so long as you have everything else built up. But that's the thing. A good quarterback, while he will hide some deficiencies, he's not going to hide all of them. And if your ultimate end goal is a Super Bowl, then you don't make this deal. Uh, Steven Ruiz over at, uh, what is this? Uh, USA Today. He had a really compelling argument here. He said trading uh, that quarterback, Russell Wilson, for a bounty of draft picks would be the best way to go about it. Not only would it save the Seahawks over $30 million in cap space annually, but it would give Seattle a chance to add players on cheap rookie contracts, which are now the lifeblood of Super Bowl-caliber teams. Uh, here's He continues on. The front office would be ripped for dealing Wilson anyway. Uh, the Raiders were, and they were ripped for trading a defensive player. But trading him away may be the team's best shot at building a winner, and I mean a Super Bowl winner, not a fringe playoff team, as the Seahawks have been since Wilson signed his new deal. I mean, you got to look at it the way that it, the way that the Seahawks are built right now. They are a running offense. That's what they did last year. It made no sense what they tried to do in the playoffs against Dallas, right? Dallas had their running game figured out, and they continued to go after it. And Brian Schottenheimer absolutely cost that bunch a a playoff win, or at least a shot at it, right? Russell Wilson, when he was throwing the ball, was on point against that Dallas secondary. And I I just, if they're going to run the team one way, this was a bad deal. They're going to change up the offense? We'll see. But, I mean, 18.6% of the cap in one guy? I mean, you're talking, rounding up, you're talking one-fifth of your entire team's payroll is going to one player. What happens if the player goes down? What happens if, if he's not as good as he was this year? There's all sorts of things that can happen. Uh, so we'll jump off that. Let's talk about Rick Barnes, University of Tennessee head coach, right quick. He admitted today. Now, he was asked about this, and I, I still cannot believe that he answered it honestly. He told reporters today that asked him uh, if UCLA, or why, what would it have taken for you to go to UCLA, or why are you still at Tennessee? And his basic response was, well, UCLA didn't want to pay the buyout. Like, they asked, if UCLA had paid the buyout, would you still be at Tennessee or would you be at UCLA? And he actually responded 
and told them that he would be at UCLA. Now, first off, reporters love the coaches that will answer them honestly, right? The national media is, this guy is great. This is amazing. We love the transparency. We want to hear real answers. Where does he live, though? He lives in Knoxville. He is around University of Tennessee fans and boosters and everybody else all the time. Why would you ever put yourself in that position? I mean, this makes me think that Barnes doesn't really have it all going on up here because what purpose is there of coming out and publicly saying that, yeah, I would rather be at UCLA, but they didn't want to pay my buyout. Who does that? What coach, what player, anybody comes up besides some of these uh, guys in the NBA, right? Like, I want to play in Los Angeles. Well, okay. You know, Paul George says that, and then he decides to sign with OKC. Anyway, the, the Rick Barnes thing is just absurdly stupid and it's great that he's transparent and it's great that he he has this uh, brutal honesty with the media but why why would you do it I mean part of being a leader is understanding when to lie but the motivation needs to be there I love Tennessee I want to be here uh, I prayed about it as he said he did and I just felt like it was the right move for me to be here. That's all you got to say. You don't have to tell them that if UCLA had paid the buyout, then you'd be gone. Because, I mean, what, what are your players going to think? What are your fans going to think? You know, I understand if you come out and you win again next year, then you're going to be fine. But, look, no Jordan Bone, no Admiral Schofield, no Grant Williams next year. That's going to be... A difficult, difficult job to do, no matter whether they got good recruits coming in or not. Because uh, remember, he's had to develop players over the years. He was not that great in his first two seasons there. All right, off of that one, the New York Times story on Tunica, Mississippi. You need to go read this thing. Uh, it's called A Small Town Bet on Sports Gambling. It's still waiting. Uh, it was written by Timothy Williams. It, it was put out today. You need to go check this thing out. It's on my Twitter feed, at GaryWCE. But uh, let's start off with this. It, this whole thing discusses why immediate returns on sports gambling have scared some of these states off of legalizing sports gambling, right? The first quote in here, it says, The reluctance of so, uh, state lawmakers, gambling analysts say, is based on a growing consensus that legal sports betting may not bring the windfall that economic forecasters predicted only a few months ago. There were a lot of people who didn't know what they were talking about, said Alan Godfrey, the executive director of the Mississippi Gaming Commission, which oversees the sports betting ventures around Tunica. Now, I did an interview with Alan Godfrey discussing all of this stuff before anything was ever legalized, right? And it goes through uh, from the Supreme Court's decision back in May to all of the different things, like the tax revenue from all these different states that have already approved it says, West Virginia has collected only one-fourth of the monthly tax revenue it projected. Pennsylvania and Mississippi received only about half of the tax revenue they anticipated. Uh, Rhode Island has been the worst. State budget officials assume that sports betting would bring in nearly $1 million a month. Uh, only about five hundred, or sorry, $50,000 is coming in each month. Here is the other part of this. New Jersey, however, has been a bright spot. 
The state has brought in more than $2 billion since sports betting was legalized about 10 months ago. The vast majority of the bets there have come from smartphones or online, not allowed in most of the other states that have recently approved sports betting. The issue here, and I've been shouting it from the damn mountaintops for months, is if you want to make a good profit, just immediately, you have to change behaviors. By not allowing mobile gambling, you are letting the people that already bet online on offshore books and whatnot, or with local guys, continue to do what they've always done. Gambling on sports, for the majority of the recreational gamblers out there, the guys that you're trying to get the money from, because a lot of these places don't want uh, the sharp bettors to come in and and put down $20,000 and put down $50,000, whatever, on a bet, because they might lose it, right? Uh, What they are doing is they are not forcing these people to change. When you try and force somebody to go to... uh, a ten, like, and let's just be honest about Tunica. Tunica, Mississippi has about 900 people that live there. It is completely barren. It takes a little while to get down there. Now, once you get there, if you enjoy that kind of nightlife, it's great. I love Tunica. But when people have stopped going for a long time, you're not just going to get them to turn around and drive 30 to 45 minutes or whatever to go down for an entire day or to go down just to make a couple of bets or whatever, right? If they are already making their bets on their phones with another service and they're getting paid and they're, they like the way that it goes, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, right? So if you're really worried about getting an immediate payday, you legalize mobile gambling. But what they have done here in, in Mississippi, most of all, but some of these other states as well, is they are working for the casinos. They want these casinos to bring in people, which brings in more tax revenue, which helps out. And I understand, it helps out everybody. It's great. Tunica wants more people to come to Tunica. That's what they want. But if each Tunica sportsbook had their own app where you could just come into Mississippi and people could search for the lines that they want, they'd make an absolute killing. An absolute killing. And the number that I spouted off after uh, after the Super Bowl, right, from the beginning of football season until the end of football season in New Jersey, they took in a handle of $1.24 billion on sports gambling. That's just over football season. Over $730 million of it was in mobile gambling. It makes too much sense. Mike, yeah, he said, stop, you're making too much sense. I don't know how lawmakers and legislators don't understand this. And they continue to complain about it over and over and over. And the story, I mean, it's just the effect of these casinos shutting down and all this. I mean, even after sports gambling opened, they still had to shut down the Tunica Roadhouse. You know, they they talk about... uh, a thousand people lost their jobs when Harris Tunica closed in 2011. Um, they're talking about the annual budget for the town of Tunica was five million in 2009. This year it's 3.5. There's a way to fix this. You know, it 
take in money from everywhere. Don't just force it through the front door. Right? This is business. Business 101. Like, why only open uh, one brick-and-mortar shop when you could have an online shop as well? I mean, it, this is the same thing with, like, a T-shirt shop, right? Well, not everybody's just going to run, you know, 30, 40 minutes down the street to go buy a T-shirt. But you put that thing up online, oh, okay, I've got it on my phone. I can just shoot it right off. Easy enough. Gambling is impulsive. If you have it on your phone and you feel like making a bet, you got to be able to do it right there. If you're driving all the way down to whatever the casino is that you're going to, you have that long to talk yourself out of making a bet, right? That's the issue. Now, if you can get them there and get them drinking, they get things change. You start making all sorts of crazy bets that you uh, never thought you would. But uh, read the story over at the New York Times. It is fascinating. It is interesting. Uh, Timothy Williams, I believe, was the name. Yes, Timothy Williams. It came out today. It's called A Small Town Bet on Sports Gambling. It's still waiting. You should definitely check that out. All right, here are my bets for this evening. I've got a few of them, uh, so let's let's fire away. Uh, baseball first, Blue Jays and Twins over nine runs. Uh, I'm going two units on that. That's 50 bucks uh, at minus 110. Uh, I've got basketball, Spurs plus seven tonight at the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets outplayed them the other night and still lost. So if the Spurs come back and play better, uh, I I could see the Spurs winning this game outright and going up 2-0. Basketball again, Trailblazers minus one and a half. Tons of public money coming in on OKC. Uh, I think the Trailblazers, even though they lost all four in the regular season, they're at home. I, I like them against the Thunder. I like this matchup. So I'm going Trailblazers minus one and a half. I'm doing 25 bucks on that. That's one unit. Uh, Spurs are one unit as well. Uh, the Pirates and the Tigers, back to Major League Baseball. I've got the Pirates, Tigers, under seven and a half runs. Uh, from all that I can tell with the weather and everything, uh, it's supposed to be really windy. I like the pitching matchup here. Uh, I don't think it's a good matchup for the hitters in the park or here, so I'm going under seven and a half. Uh, that's one unit on that one as well. Um, Athletics and Astros, I'm going over, or sorry, under nine runs on that one. A uh, lot of money coming in on the over. I'm rolling the opposite direction. I like going against the public. You guys know how I do. One unit on that. Penguins and Islanders. I'm going under five and a half. Neither of these teams have scored a lot. I think this is going to be an insanely defensive game. I'm going under five and a half for one unit there. I've got the Giants and the Nationals. No score in the first inning. Uh, the Giants have not scored in the first inning uh, at all this season. So I'm going to go no score for either team in the first inning. That is uh, one unit on that one. And then I'm doing a half unit on this one. Uh, Blues, minus 145. And the Golden Knights, minus 165 in hockey. That's a money line parlay. I'm doing half a unit uh, at plus 171. Look, you can go check out all of these picks over at winningcureseverything.com. You go up in the navigation bar, click on gambling picks. It's going to be right there. Uh, you can click on the full spreadsheet if you want, or it's going to have it all for you right there. But, uh, but definitely go check it out. I'm going to do this every day. Just give you what I like, what I don't like. We'll see uh, what my what my total profit is at the end of this. But like I told you yesterday, we're doing it basically like the FS1 show, Lock It In. 
start out with a bankroll of $1,000 every week, and we'll just see what happens. Now, I've got the units on here, so adjust accordingly if you're wanting to tail these. But uh, but go check them out at winningcureseverything.com. As always, follow the show, YouTube, uh, any podcast app that you like. I'm on Twitter, at GaryWCE. The show is at Winning Cures. We're on Facebook. We appreciate you guys being here. Share the show out. Leave some comments. Leave us some nice reviews on the podcast apps. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at GaryWCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us.